Hello and welcome to El Governor the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah and I am joined by a legend in the business, Mr. Carlos Alazraki. How are you doing? Good, sir. I'm good. I made sure that I had all the proper lighting in the booth and then realized, oh yeah, it's an audio podcast. But I still get to sound really good. I'm going to even gain my mic, but I'm doing well. Thank you. I mean, you're professional. I mean, you, you know, you're using the booth instead of like on your phone. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of cool, you know, take advantage of it. I, I bought this Whisper Booth used, I don't know, it was at my old house, so it was more than 10 years ago, and had a contractor just sort of rebuild it like a Jenga puzzle. And when COVID hit, I was basically just using a small MV88 mic to plug into the end of my phone for auditions. And these guys said, well, you've got a booth, let's add some padding, let's add a, this microphone, that microphone, and boom, you're ready to record. And then I've been recording in my booth mostly since two years ago. Occasionally get to go outside and record in uh, real recording studios, but this is where most of the work is done, and so I'm using it. So um, how has the home recording process been for you for the past two years? At first it was frustrating because I didn't know what I was doing engineering-wise. I was in over my head. I really required a lot of help, and still sometimes if something goes wrong, I do. But it's pretty seamless now, you know, especially with Nickelodeon because they give you a computer and a setup. They went from an Apogee Mic Plus is what they sent me, but I bought my own hype mic. But it's their computer. We use Source Connect Pro. We use a little QuickTime backup. The engineers are usually there to help you if something goes wrong. So it's really nice. And then other times they're like, oh, can you just send me a link? And you wait, I need a Dropbox or I need this. And sometimes you don't record your backup or you it gets lost. And But overall... In the in, at the end of those two years, it's going pretty well. I'm, I'm getting to know what my limitations are and what seems easy and what doesn't, and and I like it. I like just showing up and rolling out. Don't have to commute anywhere, so it's great. Do you miss the um, ensemble records? Yeah, even though when before COVID, sometimes it was modular anyway. You would come in just to do your stuff, and at least you would you know drive to Nickelodeon, park your car, and get a little free Pepsi, Cherry Pepsi, and uh, maybe some food in the in the lunchroom um but yeah i miss the uh camaraderie of the shows that i was doing working all together one of which we talked uh, about off air i just missed that sort of family vibe and and riffing back and forth there's nothing like it there's nothing like an ensemble record and it's it's uh one of the things that uh, i hope we can get back to if if uh if things work out I mean, you never know. Um, speaking of, you know, uh, Casa Grande's, yeah. unfortunately, we got the news that um, it's not coming back for a fourth season. Yeah. And um, how do you feel about that? I, I think it's a shame. I think that's the way the model works. There's the exception to the rule is the Loud House and SpongeBob franchise, right? Um, but I, I, I remember that on Rocco. I, I'm not sure back in the day Joe wanted to make more than four seasons. Um, but it feels sad because... It ended without us getting back together again in the booth as a, as a family. We could see each other on Zoom or be here by ourselves. I like working with Lisa Schaefer in whatever fashion. She's our director, but I know Miguel was very proud of it. I remember being in Toronto at the Fan Expo and meeting all the colorists and the, the board people that said, we work on your show. We love it so much. Very proud to be on that show, and it's, yeah, hard. I know that there will be some crossover into the Loud House with a few of the characters, um, is at least is what we were informed, but it's not the same. You know, it's just a beautiful show, a wonderful tapestry 
Um, but again, I, I felt that with El Tigre, with Jorge Gutierrez. You know, at that time, El Tigre was like the number one show. And I think it went one season. So I think Miguel got uh, a couple hundred episodes in. So that's pretty impressive. But I will miss it. I will miss it. And who knows? Maybe people will revere it enough where they'll, they'll want it to, to come back. I know this has happened to Bush Hartman, you know. Fairly Odd Parents, canceled. We want six more. Canceled. We want four more. Canceled. We want a new season. Canceled. So that was, it was an on and on again, off again thing with, with Fairly Odd Parents. So hopefully that could be the case, you know. But um, I loved it. I just loved that show. It's so warm and so cool. So I'll miss it uh, as it used to stand. But who knows in what new format it may appear. I'm just going to miss like a lot of the characters you did on that show. You know, I'm going to yeah. miss Breakfast Bot. He was the greatest. <laughs> Breakfast Bot. I am Breakfast Bot. Would you like some toast? Yeah. I love my favorite. I do, of course, Carlos Casagrande, which is a nerdier version of me. Back in 1941. Um, Sergio. Oh, boy. Here we go. Menudo again. And my favorite is Vito Filipponio. I, I did. I have such a warm spot in my in my heart for that guy because he's such a mooch. Such a nice guy. Nobody knows his story. Was he married? Does he have family? Why is he alone? Why is he always hanging out with Grandpa? Because he got no family, right? And he's got his two dogs. Sal and uh, I forget the other one's name. But uh, I, I'll miss I'll miss doing Vito for sure. And um, was Vito based on any anyone in particular? I mean, in terms of Miguel creating him? or in terms I mean, of the voice. Voiced him? The voice. Oofa doofa. I don't know. I can't say, you know. Maybe people that I knew, maybe somebody that sneakily entered my subconscious from the Sopranos. There's a little bit of that guy, uh, Don Corleone from The Godfather. But he's not quite there. I don't know. There's got to be somebody in life that I know that really sounds like him. But I can't I can't remember. Maybe I did a, a Robin Williams thing where I just soaked somebody up without realizing it. Um, whereas other characters are I, I i can't say definitively yes Vito is based upon this one person i cannot say that because he looks like brando in godfather and i was just kind wondering like was that you know did that play into it or what i don't know they, they showed me the drawing of him and i knew he had to be older i don't know it was just an innate feeling that i got lucky with because Sometimes we do a voice, and I, I'll look at it, and I'll go, boy, my voice doesn't sound like that character is drawn. But him, I just looked at him. Maybe a little Abe Vigoda, you know, quality to him because he's kind of dumpy and frumpy. So, I, you know, if you ever watch Barney Miller, if you're that older, you go back and look up Abe Vigoda, who was also in The Godfather. But uh, I can't say. I really can't say. I, I didn't get a Don Corleone vibe from him because it really, he wasn't really a guy in charge. He was more like Fredo. I'm smart too, Grandpa. I know things. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I think he's much better off than Fredo because his story yeah. doesn't end sad. Nah, I don't want to go out on a rowboat right now. It just doesn't feel right. Any funny stories during recording sessions? It was just fun. I, I mean, I remember I used to sit in the isolated booth and I would crunch my just as a joke, you know, right between ticks, I'd crunch my potato chip thing, and they, they were like, Carlos, knock it off. But we'd always try to crack each other up. Alex is really funny. She's got that husky voice. 
And Bella was filling it out because she's such a great on-camera actress. She was really, really trying to add as much as she could to Ronnie Ann. Um, and Ruben's a sweet guy. Roxana, with her going nuts, would crack me up because Frida's so over the top. Oh, don't make me get She really can Lucille ball it up, you know. So, but no one story where we are, we got in trouble or we didn't do anything. It was just general fun all the time. Um, but, but I mean, has that ever happened on, on on any other show where you know you said something and people were like, "Oh boy." <laughs> Yeah, I can remember stuff like that on Fairly Odd Parents, where like Butch would just tease us mercilessly, you know. Hey, great take, Carlos. Next time, try acting. Anybody else want to do Crocker? I mean, I'll go me, me, me. We'd all like we'd all tease each other if we did a line wrong, you know. Like Darren Norris would go, Oh no, Wanda, I think I went up. Oh, I made him. No, 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 no. We'd always just shoot each other down. It was tough, mean love on the Fairly Odd Parents, but. No, I don't think we're, we ever got in trouble, per se. I, I can't. Well, when we used to record Camp Laszlo, um, Colette Sunderman would grow frustrated with Tom Kenny and Jeff Bennett and I. We would go talking about politics or goofing around. And then Jeff and I just got into irritating Colette Sunderman with canned heat. Oh, yes, I'm going up the country, man, don't you want to go? I'm going up the country, baby, don't you want to go? She's like, can you please stop that? And we were like... We would just keep singing canned heat and drive Colette Sunderman crazy. So that those were good times for sure. Not we even on Rocco. I mean, I would imagine. We talked to her in Rocco too, especially during Static Cling. And Joe was like, hey, guys, uh, come on. Let's uh, let's try to get back. Because we were so like, we can't believe we're back together again. And so we would drive Joe nuts too because he had a pace that he, he wanted to work, at which he wanted to work. And we were like, no, we want to goof around. We haven't seen each other in a long time. So, yeah, we would drive Joe crazy with that stuff. Was that story true that um, he only, you you guys pressured him into doing a voice on the show because you just wanted to hear him yell? I don't know. That would have been the staff and not the voice actor. So if it's true, that would have to be told to you by the, the, the writing staff, the artists, the directors, and, and all those people. Because I don't recall us going, Joe, come on, you got to do a voice. I think he reluctantly did it, however. He, he never really seemed to want the spotlight. Joe is Rocco himself, you know. Pretty mild-mannered, pretty likable guy. Just wants to do nice things for other people. Really doesn't really care what happens to himself. Um, so I would guess that he had to be pressured by the people that worked in the office with him. But we didn't. We were glad he was a part. Yeah, and speaking of Rocco... Were you upset that in the later seasons they toned down the adult humor? Oh, yeah. We were always joking about that. We had the H-E double hockey sticks. You know, we we couldn't do certain things. The first couple of seasons were wonderfully subversive because we came on the hills, heels of Chris Felucci and Ren and Stimpy. So that allowed us to get away with a lot more. And then they started butting in. And, yeah, it became a little bit more watered down, I guess, but still pretty good and subversive, you know? Some still pretty fun stories, but we weren't like lamenting the fact that we couldn't be as on the edge. We were just like, ah, oh well, I wish we could return to the glory days of seasons one and season two. But this is still freaking an amazing cartoon, so we weren't too down on it. And does it feel weird being recognized as Rocco after all these years? It does. And some people will just hear it normally, like, wait a minute, I know that voice. That's Rocco. I was like, how can you, am I that high? 
uh, up in pitch. Um, but no, certainly at at cons to meet generations of fans that are, are my age or older or younger or young kids that are watching because their parents or grandparents turned them on to it. It's pretty cool. I like it. Rocco's probably the in the top. He's probably one or two in terms of cons. It's Mr. Crocker and Rocco and Garcia and, you know, the fourth is sometimes Camp Laszlo or Winslow. But Rocco is pretty revered. So I, I always know that that's a true fan because that was my first kind of job was Rocco and somebody that appreciated 90s cartoons. So I love it when people recognize Rocco. Oh, even over Garcia, you know, because Garcia, you know, I'm on camera and you would expect it. But for people to go, I love it. I'm, I'm thinking like they recognized me from, you know, Comedy Central and the movies we did. And they're like, I love Rocco. And I'm like, oh, cool. A real fan, you know. I because I, um, I listened to a couple of interviews that you did, and I always find it funny that you mentioned that people don't know you're Garcia. Like they they would show up at your table and be like, "You're Garcia? What?" Yeah, yeah. It, it's they can't put to it. And I'm working with that on TikTok. You know, um, I, I think that I put enough on there where people will will come to me. There's always a new fan on my page who sees something that I did. I did on uh, done. I did. Uh, Happy uh, Crocker Day. It was Denzel Crocker Day the other day, and I just did a, you know, oh, March 15, and I have 15 seconds to talk about Denzel Crocker Day. Must be the work of very good parents. And people are like, oh, my God, it's Crocker. And then they go, wait, you're Rocco too? Wait, that's Garcia as well? So they're, they're, they layer it. They put it all together. They might just know me for one thing, and then it's a reveal. So I, I'm going back on TikTok, and I'm going to do a 60-second that, that's like, yes, uh, here's my page. It's already out there, but... Just in case, here's a little, you know, uh, uh, a survey platter for you. I'm this, that, this, that, that. I'm all these things, but take a look at the rest of my page, you know. So, yeah, it's always, they'll walk up to my banner when I'm at a con. And by the way, I'm doing one in April, uh, 21 through 24 or something in, in Canada, Calgary. And it's my first one in a while because of COVID and uh, health and getting kids vaccinated here at home and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah, they'll walk up to and see the banner behind me because, and it's like, oh, I didn't know you were Bane or Mr. Weed or you're, wait a minute, you're the original Spyro? Yep, yep, I'm the original Spyro. And we were talking about this on another show the other day. Sometimes I'll see somebody and I'll judge a book by a cover. I'll see some guy all kind of, you know, leather vest, kind of couple of tattoos, all kind of buff, walking up, and I'm going, oh, and I'm starting to pull out my Reno picture, and they're like, oh, my God, I love Skyler from Elena Valvalor. And I'm like, whoa, I, I got that one wrong. Sorry. You know, you have just no idea sometimes who people are going to like uh, or uh, what part of your career they've paid attention to. It's just, it, it'll surprise you. Or little kids, little kids, little children. I'm pulling out like a handy manny photo. And I'm like, I love uh, Garcia from Reno. What are you doing watching the show? So it'll surprise you who people uh, glum onto. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, first off, bad parenting, letting your kids watch Reno. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's new. <laughs> like. That, that's a that's a weird story. I was just about to ask, like, has there already been any weird con stories? Because I know you've done a couple of conventions. I'm wondering, like, was there ever a weird con story? God, the, 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 the weird things that happen. No. I just remember watching Sean Astin get angry at people that would buy tickets to get just to the gate so they could accost talent. 
like the, and then they would cancel the ticket and not even meaning to fly. And Sean Aston was really keen on that game, and he really publicly laid into some people. And he, he goes, "Listen, I will sign your autograph. I'm just letting you know. I just don't think that's a really decent thing to do, because a lot of, a lot of these other people pay to go to cons and do all these things and, and actually, you know, put the time in, and you're just you're trying to do it on the slide." And I was like, I was really impressed with how direct he was, and how he stood up for that concept, but then at the end said, I, I will do this for you because you know, you're a human being and I'm a human being. But I'm just letting, it was really well, he was really well spoken when he did it. So I thought that was a pretty amazing occurrence. Uh, and obviously he wasn't trying to hide it from anybody. He was in a public place doing it. Um, but no, and then there's, I met, I remember meeting two women in Tampa Bay who worked at Disney World and they were, uh, they were Elena Valvalor princesses during the parades and, and such. And they came up with their Skylar dolls. And they must have been in their 20s. They were big Skylar fans. And that was just so sweet that somebody that age really loves Elena Valvalor. But my character, I'm like, you guys are like princesses at the park. And there's always that mutual admiration, right? Um, I remember doing push-ups with Charlie Adler to stay busy. Well, you know, Tom Kenny's line at the Florida thing was like ongoing and Charlie and I would have these lulls and we would do push up contests. Uh, I remember hanging out with David Harbour uh, in uh, Indianapolis at this restaurant. We all had this round table in the back and I thought, wow, I'm getting to hang out with David Harbour and all these really cool people. I love talking to Sean Young because I'm a big Blade Runner geek. Uh, any version of it. I've, I've got the book Future Noir. So. Uh, uh, talking to the, the gentleman who plays uh, Neville Longbottom from Harry Potter. He's a grown-up now, and we're talking about European football, a.k.a. soccer. Um, but I'm trying to think of those, those weird things that happen. I, I haven't seen any kind of minor fights break out or somebody getting sick or somebody refusing an autograph. or I just... They've all been pretty mellow, good experiences. Nothing super outlandish that I can right off the top of my head go, oh, yeah, some guy jumped down from the roof and stole some photographs and disappeared through the roof. It's like, no, I haven't seen that. But, uh, no, it's been pretty chill for me. I, I Because I wonder, like, was there ever someone who came up to you and said, you know, can you say something inappropriate and, and as Rocco or Crocker? And you're like, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've turned down some stuff for sure, yeah. And, you know, you... You say what you're you're comfortable with. I, I yeah, I won't say that, but I can do this. I can do that. Or you know, the awkwardness is in that the con has a guarantee that that you are supposed to make, and so somebody wants to do a free voiceover or a free thing, and and you have to sort of say or have some someone step and say, oh, I'm not allowed to do that to you, which is why it's weird when people meet you at the airport and want it uh, for you to do it without paying. So we try to honor the I guess the people that have bought tickets that have come to you and honor the festival itself, uh, the con festival itself by not <clears throat> making the guarantee if you have a guarantee. So it's always awkward if somebody says, oh, you know, it's my birthday and I don't have any money. And you're like, oh, well, they, they, pray, they, they portray that really well in Life is Too Short, the Ricky Gervais series with um, our friend Willow. Why am I forgetting his name? But uh, they, they make a spoof of somebody having... <laughs> it's really harsh. My son has brain cancers. He's like, I'm sorry, I can't sign it for free. <laughs> and it's just like really awkward, you know? So there's, there's those awkward moments where 
you know, you want to do favors for folks, but then there's the, the legal obligations and, and things like that. But for the most part, everything seems to work out, you know. I'll always toss in something like, you know what? I'll say, it really is your birthday. Here's an extra photo. No problem. Let's let's go. No problem. You want a little shout out? Let's do a shout out. The The one thing people will ask me to do is fairy, fairy, uh, fairy godparents at full volume, right? Which I'll give you one. Fairy godparents! Now that will kill me if I had to do that at a con for eight hours a day. So what I do is I cheat it and I move it up to my throat and I go, Fairy godparents! I move it there. So that I can do all day long. So I rarely will give you the full volume at 11 fairly fairly odd parents because or fairy godparents because that will kill my throat so and i let people know can you do fairly and i'm going i'm going to do it at this level because i can't do that all day otherwise it will tear my throat up and i was just about to ask like you know you doing crocker for so long did that ever have any long-term effects on your throat i'm sure it added some leather and texture to it for sure Along with allergies, you know, there were a couple of times during the series that it would blow out, especially if it was a Crocker, Mrs. Crocker episode. You leave me alone, mother. Oh, Denzel, I want you to come in here. Leave me alone. You know, there were pages of that. And I'm like, Butch, I'm tired. My throat is hurting. So, yeah, there were times where I'd crack it and break it and have to rest it for sure. No matter how many pastilles I shoved down there in hot tea. It was just like, nah, this is wrecked right now. Let's just do half the script and I'll come back next week. Because <laughs> you notice as you watch the series, he doesn't say fairies a lot as, as the series goes on. And I'm kind of wondering, like, did they do that because they knew it was taxing on your throat? No, I think it was just the way that it was, that it was written, you know. When I did do it, because it was diminished, I would really give it my all. Because it's like, well, I'm not doing it 20 times a show, so I may as well just go for it. But uh, it would be short, shortened to fairies instead of fairy guy parents, you know. That that catchphrase was already there, so why not switch it up to a new version, the 15-second commercial version. Fairies! And uh, um, what are some of your favorite lines from Crocker or any character oh, you've God. done? I'm the Falcon! Uh, people remember them more than I do, but one where he's falling out of the second story of a classroom, and he's like, Gah! he looks down and says, Who dug this well? Uh, one of my favorites. Um... Ah, gosh. And him saying, I'm the Falcon, because he's dressed up like a silly Falcon. And there was something where he yelled at his mother. There's a rocket in the middle of the level. Well, why did you hop on it and blast into space, you old bet? I think those were like three I remember, but you've probably got a dozen of them. People always tell me to say a line. I'm like, I don't remember saying that. They have their favorite lines, and I'm like, it's been so many years ago, I've forgotten. But those three have sort of stood out. I uh, I liked, and this is like really early in the uh, early seasons when he would like rant and he's like, soon I will start a new world order, new world order. Soon I will start a new world order, new world order. Can I have a fudgy sludge? Go away. <laughs> Go away. Um. No, it's funny, like, watching it as an adult because you're like, man, this dude is is a giant metaphor for depression. <laughs> it really is. Lives with his mom, has a girlfriend, a cat named Girlfriend. Can't can't ever get what he wants in life. He's Wile E. Coyote, right? Can never catch the Roadrunner. Meet, meet, dig, 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 Roadrunner fairy. Yeah, you feel sorry for him. What's, and he actually did say? have it. He did actually have a tragic origin story as well, so there you go. Yeah. 
And then, Denzel, why don't you talk about your prom? Something about the prom. That was 35 years ago, Mother. Yeah. Never had a girlfriend. <laughs> Never married. Poor old guy. But fun to play. If you could hang out with any of your characters, who would, who would you pick and why? I'd always told people Rocco. Because he's so calming. He's so cool. Like, you, you could get lost in the middle of the forest. And be, it's okay. I think I can find our way out of here. If we just wait for the sun, it'll light our path. You know, he's so Winnie the Pooh, Zen himself, pretty much non-judgmental. He can get pissed off for sure. I will do something not nice! But he's just so cool. Rocco's cool. I would, it would be Rocco because he's my first love too. I mean, I liked uh, Manny's um, grand grandfather. He seemed like a fun guy yeah. to hang out with. Hola, herramientas. Hello, tools. Don't worry, Manny. I can help you this afternoon. So calm, yeah. Um, yeah, Rocco. Laszlo's cool, too. Except Laszlo's a little young. Hi, Scoutmaster Lumpus. Come on, Bean Scouts. Let's go play. He would get annoying after a while because he wouldn't want to do anything adult. So I think Rocco's in that pocket age where he was 20 years old, living from home. He would go to the pub with you or go, uh, you know, go kart racing with you. Rocco's the, like the perfect guy. Crocker would drive me nuts. Winslow's too much of a prick. Hey, come on, let's get out of this place. I'm bored. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd have to say it's those two, right? I'd... Rocco and Laszlo. Carlos would bore you with facts. Sergio, oh, yes. Sergio's a jerk. I don't know why anyone would want to hang out with Sergio. No, he's annoying. <laughs> what about me? What about me? What about me? Ugh, they're always trying to kill him or hit him or swat him out of the house. Um, Carlos, yes, I maybe Vito Filipponio, but he'd be constantly. Are you going to finish that? Vito Filipponio would be like uh, Paul Reiser and Diner. So, as a matter of fact, there is a little Paul Reiser and Vito. So, no, are you going to finish that? I'm just asking because you're not going to finish that. I'm right here. He would be. Uh, he would be too much of a mooch, I think. And Bane would just annoy you by saying, like, "Hey, do you remember I broke Batman's back?" Yes, Bane, I know that. You already told me that fifty times already. Yesterday. I ate your French toast. Today, I'm going to break your pancakes. Come on, man. Turn that blood pump machine off. You're getting ragey. Yeah. Uh, Walden would be fun. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Here's a fact. Back in 1953, the pancake was changed from square to round. He'd be. He'd get along well with Carlos. Um, and out of all the characters you've done, uh, which one would you say was the hardest to nail down? You know, there's some voice match stuff that I've done recently for um, Spencer, who played Miguelito on uh, Victor and Valentino. He abdicated the job, um, and I was asked to see if I could voice it. Miguelito, hey, Victor, what's going on? Oh, boy, the moon. That's a hard one because I want to make sure I get it right. And then doing all the sound like for uh, Billy Crystal for Monsters, Inc. and things like that for all the games and the toys and the Kingdom Hearts 3. Because you're, you're really wanting to get that reference right. And so there's a lot of work that goes into it. And sometimes you fall out of it. Sometimes you don't quite get it. Eh, it was a little muppety on that one. Not enough Bronx on that one. Let me shoot. I wish I could go back and do that. And then sometimes I nail it and there's a satisfaction. So that, that's hard in terms of that. Um, but yeah, the original question was, what was the hardest one to sort of nail? 
Um, you know, um, Rocco, after coming back and doing it after 25 years, uh, I wasn't quite as high as him, so I really had to have my headphones way up high, so I didn't push too hard. Um, David also on Puss in Boots, I had to make sure that he wasn't too high. He was started down here. Had to listen to references all the time. Um, but yeah, for when I was ever doing Billy Crystal sound like I, I had a voice uh, reference that would put me in in the place, and that is "You're married," which is from "Forget About Paris," which is where I originally learned how to copy Billy Crystal's voice because he's talking to Deborah Winger on the bench. I know our first date. You don't have to tell me everything, but could you hit an occasional highlight or two? Like, yeah, I live here. I got two brothers that wrestles with bad ears, and oh yeah. So you're married, you're married, you're married. They would play that over and over again if I was getting too muppety or if I was getting not enough Bronx. Uh, they would play that reference for me. So I would say, yeah, voice matching characters are the hardest. Uh, did you ever get, has anyone ever confused you for Billy Crystal or can they tell the difference? No. Well, I, I'm sure like there are some projects that I've done, including the Monster Laugh Floor at Florida, where there's got to be more than a few that went, sounds kind of like Billy Crystal, but I'm not sure that's him. And other people are like, oh, yeah, that's Billy Crystal. Um, but no, nobody ever said, oh, that's way off, or I know that's not Billy. I've never had that said publicly to me. Um, but I'm sure there's a few people that went, oh, it's, I get it. That's a voice match. But I think I've done a pretty good job to fool most of the people most of the time. So it's not like a Mick Winger situation where his Jack Black is so good, people actually confused him for Jack Black. I would like to think it's pretty good, but I boy, Mick Winger really, really nails that Jack Black. I mean, uh, even even to me. I guess we're harder on ourselves, though, because I could talk to Fred, Fred Tattashore about him doing the Sifu, I guess, the Dustin Hoffman on that series. And Fred would say the same. Like, oh, there's some, some days I really nailed him, and some days I fell a little off. But I think what I got down is I got the nuance down because he can be way up here. You've got to be kidding me, Sully. And then he has to drop down and talk to Roz. You know, Roz, I need a favor. Don't want to ask it of you, particularly because you have bad breath. You know, so I'm, I'm lear I've learned over all the years to capture those nuances, and I think that's helped a lot. But, yeah, Mick nails it. There are certain people. There are great impressionists out there. Josh Robert Thompson, Jim Meskimen. Um, Melissa Villasenor, uh, a ton of them, uh, that on even on TikTok are just so spot on with what they do that I'm amazed. And I think I and Frank Caliendo, I, I I have I'm in that category where I can come pretty close to the more Dana Carvey characterizations of impressions. But with Billy, I, you know, I pride myself on being pretty darn close. But it does take some work. And with home recording being the norm now, do you think that's made it easier or harder for people to get into the business? I think easier. I think easier. You just have a great microphone and a closet full of clothes, and you can audition. You can have an almost professional sounding. You could get the right mic, a little MV, MV88 Shure mic, and audition from your car with the windows closed. So in terms of auditioning, yeah. And then in terms of accessibility, if you have a home booth, it's really a plus, right? Like, this, these guys don't want to pay for a studio. Well, I have nowhere to record. Well, find somewhere. You know, use your closet. So it, it can definitely help to be already be equipped and have the computer and be able to send a QuickTime file as backup and 
and have access to a really nice computer that can handle the load without the fan turning on, you know, with Source Connect and, and Zoom and QuickTime all running at the same time. So, yeah, it definitely helps being uh, self-equipped. And do you think that uh, home, uh, not home recordings, um, in-studio sessions are still going to continue, or do you think that they're going to become uh, more of a rarity? They have. They've come back. You know, you, you're allowed to go to Nickelodeon. My daughter goes to Nickelodeon. She does rock talk on uh, Star Trek Prodigy and Proud Papa. She gets to go to the studio. Mom has to wait outside in the courtyard or in her car, but Riley gets to go in. Uh, I got to go into L.A. Studios and record Farzar the other day uh, with Waco Gun, and they were there. They were, for the first time, they weren't on Zoom. They were behind the glass, but they were there. So that was cool. So I get to go out eventually, but who knows what uh, this latest strain will do? Who knows if we've opened things up too quickly and we'll have to go back again? You know, we're not certain. So I don't think we're out of the in the clear and going fully back to studios uh, at all, if only for a short period. I think we might return uh, to doing what we do now. So just a mix of both, I guess? Yeah, still the hybrid type of recording situation. I don't know, man. I just, I just kind of miss like hearing stories of people going into the uh, booth and just having fun. I miss those days. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, just a lot of goofing around and being a very symphonic, you know, people giving way to another people. And yeah, we had, you know, fairly odd parents at the height with Kari Walgren and Kevin Michael Richardson and, and Jeff Bennett and uh, Eric Bowser and then the regulars with, you know, Darren Norris and Suzanne Blakesley and, and Tara Strong, myself. It was just a smorgasbord boatload of talent in this one room where you're just like, oh, my God, Rob Paulson. I'm marching, you know. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, I got to do a live uh, new Animaniacs with Tress McNeil, Rob Paulson, and Jess Harnell. And I'm, I made a video, and you probably saw it on Instagram. Where like, This is like my Make-A-Wish day. I get to record with these legends, you know. So amazing to be in the booth, in a line right by them. You know, it was such a wonderful feeling. And do you ever feel like you know you're not supposed to be there? Does doesn't does imposter syndrome start kicking in, or do you, is it just natural to, at this point? Did you say imposter syndrome? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I talked about that with Wendy McClendon Covey on her podcast too, in regarding acting because I was a jock my whole life. I didn't do theater. I didn't do anything. And I played soccer in college, and then I got into stand up comedy and stand up comedy and working in health clubs. Went on the road as a comic, still no acting. Then I started taking acting classes around 93 when I won the San Francisco Comedy Competition. I took acting classes with a really great instructor passed on, Cliff Osmond. And I never had the groundlings training or the improv training or the sketch training. I just would do occasional things. And so to be on Reno with the Wendy's and the Cedrics and the Ben, Tom, and Carrie and all of those people, I felt like, I told Wendy, I felt like I was swimming with dolphins. And sometimes I get in a voiceover room. I think I belong now for sure. But when I first started out, when we started Rocco, Tom and I were really green, and there was Charlie Adler going, Oh, Rocco, dear, I want you to come over. Who are you talking to, Beth? None of your business, Ed. Don't you yell at me. Don't you yell at me. I'm talking to Rocco. And they're going back and forth, and I thought, Wow, I'm in over my head. And then I'm on a cartoon with Cat Dog with Jim Cummings, and I'm like, This guy's a legend. He's winning the poo. Uh, I got to learn. I got to pick it up. I'm working with Billy West. Oh, my God, another legend. I got to pick it up. I got to. I got up my, oh, there's Gray Delisle, there's Katara Strong. I got up, E.G. Daly, shoot, I got to get better. So it really pulled you up to work with those people, 
you knew that you had to be game ready when you were going in the booth. And even with Butch Hart, because Butch was tough love. Eh, hello, mother. No, nope, do it again. Wrong. You know, you had to be thick-skinned to work with Charlie Adler as a director and Butch Hartman as a director. You had to just know that this is who they are. They love to mess around with you. They love tough love. You'll be okay. Yeah, because so, I've had people lot. who've worked with Charlie, and he is really intense, but he does it because he loves you, okay? He's the sweetest guy underneath. I, I set him up with a uh, – set my friend up with a uh, workshop with him, and I go, here's who Charlie is. Just so you know, he's going to, what are you doing? Get with you. Stop before I come in there and cram that microphone in your face. Now do it again, Pete. Thank you, dear. Thank you, dear. Um, I let them know who he was. And then he goes, you were right. He's such uh, a sweetheart on the inside with this tough sea dock boat captain exterior. But you just got to get beyond that. And so he's very lovely. Very lovely indeed. Um, I, j- I also want to mention, uh, you're so good at doing Scottish uh, dialects. Was there ever a point where someone confused you for an actual Scot? Yes. I'll tell you a story because I grew up with my friend Kevin. Uh, we were in different track homes separated by a main street. And we became friends in first grade and walked to school. And so every single day, if I wasn't at my house listening to my mom go, Carlitos, you have to clean up your room, por favor. I would be over at Kevin's house and he would have his dad, John, Carlos. And Mary would go, would you like some waffles for breakfast? And Uncle Danny with a voice like that. Let me tell you about Notre Dame football, Carlos. And until life's got done, you're boring them with the football talk. Let them watch their cartoons. You know, so I just grew up with that. And uh, when I needed a quick study, I would watch Rabsi Nesbitt. The star of that is Gregor Fisher, who plays the manager in Love Actually. Five minutes, Elton Johnson, she had his case as one. Um, so I had that in my arsenal because I grew up with it and I had physical references that I could pull from. So I was a big fan of Colin Hay. I saw him at Aspen Comedy Festival then I saw him a couple other times, and I see him in the Santa Monica Playhouse thing, and I come up to him, and I says, uh, I, I think I said, hey, Colin, I, I think I remember telling you before that my best friends uh, were from, from Glasgow, and uh, and we talked about it, and I just wanted to say that uh, I've, I've always prided myself on trying to do it. And he goes, how many, he goes, when did you leave? I said, what? He says, when did you leave Glasgow? And I said, no, no, I'm not, I'm not from there. He's like, hey, he's good. Gee, that's really good then. I said, I, th- I thought you were from Glasgow. And I'm like, okay, that game over. I can die now. You know, I, I know it was more than him just being nice. I kind of genuinely, I think it's because I wasn't overdoing it. Like, hit, I'm from Glasgow. No, it's a real subtle thing where it's possible that I've been here for a few years like him. Because if you listen to Colin Hay talk, he's a lot softer. If you know this band called the Fratellis, John Fratelli, he's got, a bit more of an accent. There's a there's a recording that I tell people that if they want to research a Scottish accent, I've told this to Lorraine Newman when we she was looking for like some research. I said, look up John Fratelli at Pace Studios in New York. He sings three acoustic songs and just the way he speaks, um, sort of um, all the things are proper. It's proper Glasgow, but it's not too much like Rab Nesbitt. You, you have to rewind. So I have all these sources for reference that keep me there. So yes, there was one time. 
Oops, sorry. There was one time where I fooled, uh, seemingly fooled, uh, our good friend from Men at Work, uh, Colin Hay. That that's, really happened. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I can get to sleep. I think about the implications. Oh, where are you from? Glasgow now. Yeah. They're a shortcut you have to take. They have the, they have the old Gaelic mixtape. If you want to take a shortcut, you're going to have to. You're going to. You're going to have to speak up. I'm not able to hear you. <laughs> There's um, a character called uh, Jamesy Cotter on Rab Nesbitt, and he talks like, Hey there, Ram. I have matched you bite for bite all these years, and you're an alcoholic. I'm blaming you for a drinking problem, Rob. It's like, what? Uh, and what is he saying? Anyways, that's a little funny and <laughs> stupid aside. Yeah, I just find it hilarious. Like, we're recording this on St. Patrick's Day, and we're doing talking about Scotland. <laughs> yeah, Scotland, Irish. It's really close. Irish is more swallowed. And recently, I got to play the classic Irish cop for Pete Bogart, who's my neighbor down the street. Uh, for the, cl- the new Looney Tunes adventure there. All right, Rocky, we know you're in there. But uh, there's some guys on the internet that do a massively great Conor McGregor where it's just like, I can't do Conor McGregor, but I can do sort of a version where I always find Irish to be more swallowed than, than Scottish, which is more up front and pushed. But i um, fascinated by both dialects for sure. Um... And speaking of St. Patrick's Day, um, yes. do you do you, do you guys uh, do celebrate St. Patrick's Day, or is it just like ah oh, whatever? Well, we've got kids, and the youngest one last night was convinced she was visited by a wee leprechaun who hung streamers, who made the milk and the toilet bowl water green, who put a dartboard with three green darts over the toilet, who also spilled some lucky charms all over the counter and gave her green socks and left her a riddle as well. So yeah, um, we did. We did. We did a little St. Patty's Day thing. I've been invited to go out tonight, but I'm such a homebody. I don't think I will. It's it's just a dangerous night for driving. And I do like to have whiskey sips. I do like Irish whiskey, although I'm a peated Scotch whiskey guy. But uh, I do like my Irish whiskeys. I like Red Breast, Tula Mordu. It's very sweet. Um, but so yes, we do for the kids do a little Irish. I'm wearing a green. Shirt, you can't see it, but it's designed by Miranda Parkin, Parkin Art on Instagram. It is a Space Fleet t-shirt that she made. You can go look it up on uh, Parkin Art on Instagram and see this green Space Fleet t-shirt that I have on. So I wore that for St. Patty's Day today. Because I remember as a kid when we went to elementary school, if you weren't wearing green, somebody could come up and pinch you. So I I had my physical therapy this morning for my knee. And I wore green because it hurts. It hurts bad enough. I don't need to be pinched on top of it. Because your daughter is on Star Trek, and I'm wondering, like, you know, does that mean you're ever going to be on Star Trek at some point? Or I've been on Lower Decks, and Dan and Kevin are a fan. I know Great Lyle's been on, and she was wonderful. She played like a smuggler of a ship, and I want that. I want that material. You're gonna get it for me. She's wonderful. Yeah, that would be wonderful if I somehow could be on the show with Riley, um, just as a small guest role, like a. Like, a, ah, get off this planet uh, or something. So I'm hoping that happens. That would be cool. Uh, I certainly don't ask for it uh, privately, but uh, I'm throwing it out there to the, to the maybe they need to, to a new Scotty, right? There was the one episode where they actually sampled uh, Leonard, Nimoy's vo- Leonard Nimoy's voice from, from an old episode and, and put it into the show. But 
Um, I love it. I, I wasn't a Trekkie growing up. Riley's first introduction to Star Trek, and now I'm following it because it's a great cast. And I got to meet Ella Purnell. I know Jason from from various other projects. I know Dee Bradley Baker's a genius. Getting to meet Kate Mulgrew. Brett Gray is really cool. What a talented cast. So, yes, I would absolutely love to be on that show. Long answer. (laughs) Hey, man, we got all the time in the world. But we really don't because I'm a terrible liar. (laughs) You're a liar. Um, Anyway, uh, before I wrap up, um, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on and uh, where can people find you online? Yeah, something I'm really proud of, a movie I did with Joe Michelle Melian. I financed it with my wife. It's called... Witness Infection, if you want to help me, you can buy it on VOD on most formats. Witness Infection, it's uh, mobs and zombies with a little story uh, attached, so it's not just all hijinks. Um, Aaron Hayes, Tara Strong, Maurice LaMarche are in it, Joe Reitman, Gary Anthony Williams, to name a few, Joe Michelle Melian, uh, Brett Ernst from Cobra Kai, Vince Don Vito. It's a great, great cast. It's a fun movie, so check out Witness Infection. It's also free on Tubi. Uh, right now, you can find it there. Um, I'm working on a new project for Nickelodeon. I don't know if I can say the name. It's with Ron Funches and Thomas Lennon. Should be coming out next year. Really fun. A couple of writers from the old Farzar Paradise PD show, Brickleberry, are have created a really wonderful, really wonderful show, and I, I'm having fun recording that. Hypothetically speaking, because Nickelodeon put out a picture of me as me either cosplaying or dressed as Mr. Crocker in a live action environment, I hypothetically could appear on the new Fairly Odd Parents as Mr. Crocker based on what Nickelodeon promotion already put out there when I did a cross promotion with my daughter as Rock Talk. I think I can legally say that. Uh, we'll find out. Um, I'm also working on some new stuff, uh, for Mike Judge and family. I don't know if I can say that, but I've been able to do some utility stuff on that. Some more solar opposites. I'll be doing some characters on that. Um, uh, Camp Coral. You can hear me as Nobby. Nobby. Oh my goodness. I can't believe I do that here, Billy voice. And Nobby and I play this guy, Harvey. He's like, oh my gosh, you guys, aliens, they finally came to Camp Coral. So I'm on Camp Coral. I just worked with Tom Kenny this morning, who's the director on that project. Um, and um, Reno is out on Roku, season eight. You can always go back and watch the original Rokus. I will be in Canada and Calgary if you're coming out live to a con I believe that's April 22, 23, 24. It's one of those weekends, so please check out Calgary Con information because I, I want to see people live again. I, I'll probably be masked up. and I pull it down for a quick photo. Um, and then you can see me at, on Instagram. I do a little series called How I Came Up With a Voice. I properly should title it How the Voice is Created because it's often a collaboration where you can see Crocker, Rocco, Laszlo. How did I come up with that voice? Most recently, I posted the first bug in a bug's life. I'm lost! I can't find the trail! Um, so that was the most recent post. I'm on TikTok. I do stuff there. I'm also on Twitter. If you really want to let know my feelings more uh, about... Sometimes I get more social on Twitter because I'm on the Stephanie Miller Show every Wednesday morning on uh, Free Speech Political Radio. And... Um, 
I'm at the Little League fields watching my kids play softball and baseball and all that kind of stuff. I think that's I think that's it in a nutshell. I know there's more, but I always forget. Thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been an absolute pleasure, and you know we got to have you back at some point. <laughs> Absolutely, I'll come back when things are legal. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right, take care, thanks, man. Thanks, Adela. That's so cool of you to have me on, and and uh, I love your your show. I got to listen to the Gabrielle. Uh, oh, that was a beautiful was... episode. I was crying. Yeah. I was actually crying. Yeah. <laughs> so good. It's just fun to hear people talk about their careers and, and be a, given, given a chance in this format is, is really wonderful. And you just let it roll and you let us dig our own holes. Thank you. <laughs> I'll have you know, sir, Roger Craig Smith thinks I'm great. <laughs> yes. Well, we all know Roger lives in the woods and he's a psycho. Yeah, I said it. What are you going to do about it, Roger Craig Smith? You're too far away. <laughs> he's got a drone flying over my house right now with the camera on it. I know. He's such a genius. <laughs> all right. Take care, man. All right, Adela, take care. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.